0: Good morning, misfits. This is the unprepared podcast by misfit athletics, where I come up with a topic before the show, but I do not tell the co-hosts or guests and hope to elicit a genuine conversation. Get the real thoughts from these fantastic gentlemen about so kind said of you. topic. I was talking about Hunter and Ted. Oh, Got um, it. Got it. <laughs> This episode of the podcast <laughs> is brought to you by Sharpen the Axe. Sharpen the Axe in a, is an apparel brand built around the ethos that the work that you put in along the way is much more important than the destination. Sharpen the Axe Summer Collection is live now at sharpentheaxeco.com along with all the other goodies. Use the code unprepared to save you some dollars. Cheers. What's up, guys? Not much. We're still. back. A little Hi, holiday
1: Drew. break. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fourth of July. Taking it easy. So nice out. It was beautiful. And cut. Damn. (laughs) Small talk is just not Hunter and I are known for our small talk. (laughs) I'm a a conversation. (laughs) Hunter just doesn't say anything and and
0: I don't know what Sherb is saying. He says stuff. Talking. Most of the time.
2: Mostly things and stuff. Okay, so
0: there has definitely been a theme within Unprepared so far. We've taken people on a mental journey. And hmm. it's gone really well. The feedback has gone really well. But is it our A, number one area of expertise?
2: Uh, I mean,
1: no, maybe. I guess. I, maybe. Yeah, I'd say, yeah, maybe. maybe? Uh, unintentionally, it, yes. Because when we started out, on the end of us, like, sought out the, let's talk about egos, and let's talk about nature yeah. versus nurture. It's just something that we've put ourselves into with the line of work that we do. And essentially, we've educated ourselves as it's come to us. Yeah. We've had situations, we've had people, we've had interactions that cause us to talk about these topics pretty regularly, you know, and the fact that you brought them up as unprepared and we didn't really know what was going to get into, we had the ability to share our expertise or our knowledge on that based on the fact that we've run into these situations so many different times.
2: I think it's like becoming kind of our core competency. We started off as the guys who are just like, I can teach you how to snatch and clean and jerk and, and back squat and get super fit super fast and like like we know we know what's going on, and right. now we can still do that. But the maybe like our interest—not that our interest ha- isn't that anymore—but it's m- shifted toward that Absolutely. like mental yeah. side. I, and I like- think
0: I think the, the the topics that we got into in the first four episodes, Ted. How many yeah. do four? <laughs> this is number five. Cheers. Episode unknown of the Unprepared Podcast. <laughs> Every episode. Every is episode, episode. unknown. <laughs> Quite episode question mark. Um. I think that those topics have so much more of a, of a gray area and a spectrum and a variance that we can dig into these nooks and crannies. Um, I don't think, well, I actually probably do think that one topic's more important than the other, but we're going back to basics this week. oh We're going back to basics. The topic of the day is how do you get stronger? oh fuck people want to know three (laughs) to five sets of three to five
2: reps (laughs) all right we'll see you
0: guys in two weeks (laughs) cut it ted good um people want to know how to get stronger people at every single level want to know how to get stronger and a lot of times it might be i'm not strong at all and i need your help in every single one of these things all the way to you know, we know of some athletes that have just one or two glaring weaknesses. They know how to get stronger, but they're super frustrated with a movement and don't necessarily do it the way that we would want them to over the course of, of a longer period of time. So I think this is one of those ones where you guys don't really need to know my backstory. I am... Yeah, what do you? know? What it's, do you know about that? It's do been you know a, anything it, about no, that? No, I just mean like in the last ones, I told you, I drew you a picture of me running up a hill and crying at the wind blowing in my face. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> this one, I've been people have been asking me how to get stronger for not even just ten years in in this space, but you know, all the way back to when I found linear progression, ten, 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 in high school, and my bench went up thirty pounds. <sighs> Bigger,
2: faster, do stronger. do we want to? not not necessarily narrow the scope
0: don't set parameters
2: that's That's the the
1: whole point of the show i think the big the biggest thing for a lot of people is is, is just to start i feel like a lot of people have hopes and dreams and something we've talked about is making sure that your your goals and your priorities line up so for me that the very first very first place to start is just get moving right one thing that we've talked about down the road with getting stronger and seeing progress over time is that you have to start and you have to be invested in the journey itself, which is something we've already touched on a few times. So first step, get into the gym and get moving around. If you don't know what you're doing, that's why you would you know, look for outside help. If you do have an idea of like how to exercise correctly, you can just start with something as simple as a pair of dumbbells and really just go down to your basement, get out of breath, get sweaty, and start there day one. So-
0: Hunter wanted to narrow the scope uh, I said no now I agree with
2: Hunter uh, <laughs> I saw you write that down and I was gonna so play. so but I, sure.
0: I, I like where you're heading the conversation of GPP belongs in this conversation yeah 100% totally agree how much does Brian Shaw world's strongest man X amount of times how much does he need to get outside and drag a sled or use the rower or a bike or whatever how much of that does he need to do? Because some of this conversation is sort of also strength to body weight ratio. Yeah, who are like, you? <laughs> like, it does kind of matter. But at a at a certain point, you will, like, if we go all the way to, like, the Lifetime, well, it's not Lifetime, I don't know what channel it is, those shows where the people are, like, in bed forever. A&E. TLC. Like, yeah, TLC. <laughs>
2: Lifetime, like, channel. Yeah, that's probably not
0: enough GPP to be the world's strongest man. So it's not just
1: about body weight, but it is also about body weight especially within the CrossFit community. When we talk about Brian Shaw, though, a fringe athlete, super uh, competent in everything he does with his sport. I mean, for for him, he has to be very good at a very select amount of tasks. So for him, his GPP is skewed almost, but he is still getting it's diverse. Yeah, but it's still, diverse. It's,
0: it's, it's still part of the conversation.
1: Oh, yeah. So, I mean, for, for him, he, he needs to make sure that the, the GPP in his situation is more like, are my joints that are on these giant muscles able to hold these loads, and are I, am I able to practice moving this stone X amount of feet when I only have to move it this many feet? Like, can I move it further than that? And how does that play into his ability to move high percentage of his weights over and over again? So for him, his, I I look at someone like Brian Shaw and say, all right, his GPP is really about longevity in terms of making sure he stays healthy enough to compete in his sport versus, you know, my mom, for example, whose GPP is like, I want to be able to take the stairs at work and not like get out of breath walking from the grocery store and into the grocery
2: store. Yeah. And with, with an extreme, that is Brian Shaw the Louis Simmons folks of the world, that is, that is an extreme version the same way that CrossFit games athletes are an extreme version of fitness. These guys are extreme versions of strength. But if, if you don't know, you'd probably be surprised to find out that Louis Simmons program one is like 10 to 20% like the main lifts. And they're not even like the main squat bench deadlift. They're all variations of it. And the rest is just either accessory work or, like you're saying, push a sled, yeah. kind of powerlifting specific GPP, right? For to be able to be in yeah. shape I mean, to he, do that work.
0: He was one of the first people to slam those ideas into each other. Right. And then, luckily, I, well, I'm not luckily for us, but luckily within this specific case, I don't think the Olympic weightlifting community is going to be listening to this. Um, they didn't like me on Facebook a few years ago, <laughs> uh, a few separate times. Um, but the cat's out of the bag. There's a bunch of CrossFit athletes that could go compete on a national and yeah. some even world level within Olympic weightlifting. So this conversation of GPP needs to be involved. It absolutely positively needs to be involved. How, what dose? Now, obviously, those people are already strong. So once again, we're on the fringe. But like, what role does that play? What, you know, is it just recovery? Is it just their metabolic conditioning as to a point? where their body can handle more volume, they're creating a healthier person to be able to handle the training they're going
2: through. Yeah, I think one thing that we've learned over time is the the implementation of the the super long slow type stuff and what that does is not not only like obviously builds capacity in that range, but it makes the recover your recovery time between all the way from like from day to day, the recovery from day to day, but also between training sessions like on an hourly basis. And if you're just in better shape overall, the recovery time literally between sets and reps makes a huge difference. So in CrossFit, the difference between having to do a set of, you know, in 19.5, doing a set of f- 21 thrusters, how long does it take for you to kind of recover before you can pick it up to finish that big set of 35 like that? that gpp that overall fitness long slow stuff impacts like on that small right. of a level and then when you're talking about getting stronger i think it it definitely has implications yeah. in your recovery and,
0: and i feel like there's probably just this idea of like baseline competency when it when it comes to lifters like i know that there are some people that have dabbled in that that arena that will be listening to this podcast like i would love to know like you would want them to be able to go do that assault bike sprint and then not, not want to come back to the gym for a week or X amount of burpees or just, there's just gotta be some level within that community where our community says, Hey, we actually aren't talking shit. We'd love to help. You guys are amazing athletes. Like we, if you go to almost any CrossFit gym, what's on the TV, it's weight, weightlifting YouTube channels, like playlists on repeat. Like right. we love that community, but more GPP belongs within their training i just don't because i've never dug completely into it know exactly how much what i do know is that it has to be there you have to be able to go jog a mile super comfortably you have to be able like those sort of things will lend to a better athlete and a better athlete is going to lift more weight
2: i think it's it's just got to be because the people that we're talking about you were kind of for for the crossfit community we build kind of that gpp base and then introduce like more of the weightlifting stuff the mm-hmm. the brian shaws the the weightlifters of the world they've already built that base of strength and then it becomes like how much gpp can we add to enhance the weightlifting and not detract from it right. and there's definitely a place for it it's just a matter of how much and what that looks like i don't
1: it always goes back to your goals like we are we have to define the person that we're talking about too because yes like connor just said a certain level of GPP would be good for these weightlifters because you don't want to hear about someone who can snatch 380 pounds but gets winded walking up a flight of stairs. I mean, like, yeah, that's, that's, not that's the Matt
0: Fraser story. He yeah. lifts more weight now than he did when all he did was lift weight, and now he doesn't lift very much
1: weight. Like, I, don't, yeah. I know there's a riddle
0: in there somewhere, but <laughs> like,
1: he, he, you guys know
0: what I'm trying to what say. You so, say? Like, he's,
1: he's, having, he's having the benefits of GPP, obviously Im- improving his weightlifting to an extent, and we right. do believe that that is the case, that if you get yourself in better shape, you will be better at X, Y, and Z. doesn't matter. I, honestly, I don't think what the task is. We like to use things in our sport, like weightlifting as an example, or powerlifting as an example. But like this, the start for that, again, is figuring out what that line is. Are you trying to be a well-rounded athlete, or are you trying to progress in a sport? I think GPP has a place for both athletes. It's just determining, like you said, the level at which you incorporate right. it. Into yes, your our
0: sport is the GPP. Correct. So we have a direct... At all times, we, we always have, you know, every day you get feedback on where your GPP is right. within our community. yeah um, What would you guys say, what is the holy grail of strength training? What exercise
1: is a number one, the best to get stronger? Ooh. I think back squat is, I mean, deadlift has a lower barrier to entry in my opinion, but I think it is back squat is the number one the exercise for the holy grail of strength training. If you want to get good at one exercise and have it carry over to the most amount of things in your life, to me, that's squat back squat.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think back squat. I always i've I can't think of how many people have had this like debate with, but I feel like it's it's got to be the back squat. Even De- though
1: I saw online that if my transverse abdominis was good, I could slam tires with sledgehammers <laughs> and stuff. But so
0: <laughs> I asked that because. I think that there isn't one. I think that the deadlift is the holy grail of strength training exercises, but we are in the CrossFit community, and if we do it too much, we ruin everything else, especially considering something we'll get into, CrossFitters and posterior chains seem to be a mutually exclusive,
1: they can't be friends. Yeah, Jesus. is that why I'm not a CrossFitter? I have a posterior I train. believe that the <laughs> back... I only deadlift with my knees and my quads.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I believe that the erector spinae. Um, yes, a lot I, of that. I believe that the back squat is the holy grail of, of strength training for CrossFitters. I think it just has so much uniformity to it. It has so much... Like, everything mm. comes together. But then there's... Like, for me personally, the holy grail of strength training exercises by far is heavy...
1: Back rack lunges. Well, I was just gonna say, so so th- yeah, just this like concept
0: that. of of understanding if we're gonna say how do you get strong, we got to know who you are, we got to know what your limitations are. Because for me personally, in a back squat, I'm doing a front squat. I sit as straight up as I possibly can. I bounce. I don't use my posterior chain. Essentially, only at my sticking point, I'll try to push my hips through. But <clears> like that's I I've gamified the movement to the point where. I don't even, I don't even really get that sore and then back rack lunges with a tiny percentage of my back squat and shit gets very real, very quickly. And then it translates to the bike, to back squat, to all of these different things. And I think that it's super important. Yes. The deadlift, you create a massive amount of adaptation. And if you are trying to get your deadlift up and you're, you know, you, we can figure out that program where you can pull heavy twice a week. Great. Like you will get the most adaptation out of that, absolutely. But no. it doesn't live within our community in the same way that it does the powerlifting community, or I'm just guess, from a recovery basis. Just from a, rec- it just does.
1: It's so hard for it to fit in with everything else. You did well, that. It's because Crossfitters mm-hmm. want to do a hundred things every single day, and that doesn't lend to that. Like you look at. Well, you
0: say they want to, but their
1: role models, the people that are kicking their ass, that's what they're doing. Correct. So. to a a certain threshold i feel like it should be said that like there is there's obviously a point where doing too much of that stuff there is you know your return on your investment is less than what you put into it and that's you know for me a recipe for you know just burning out and getting you know injured or losing interest in training all that type of stuff
0: that's another tangent with strength training me personally low volume high gains high volume i get beat up like and there are other athletes that can lift all day every damn day and that's how they get stronger they get that you know tiny little growth tiny little growth whereas for me like I'm way better off lifting waiting 2 days and then lifting again i so, want to
2: talk about the back squat again let's go <laughs> let's go i think like the the deadlift on like you can't for for the majority of people until you're a powerlifter at the elite level your deadlift is not going to be less than your back squat so from a pure like defined strength like ability to move one you know, one thing, one time, it's definitely the deadlift. I think my, my tipping point for the back squat is it's a little bit less forgiving. Like you can, you can pull and keep pulling and keep pulling on a deadlift and you might look like a rainbow or a banana with your back, (laughs) but you could probably still keep pulling it. The back squat has a little bit less room for error in that sense. Yeah. And I think for the majority of people, the ability to express athleticism through a larger range of motion in their joints is kind of the, is like the thing for me. Like sitting, sitting into hip and knee and ankle flexion, maintaining like midline stability and transferring force from your hips and legs through your trunk into the bar. I think that's a, I don't want to say a better expression of strength, but a more I guess, functional. Yeah. I like expression that
0: expression versus growth, I think might be two different things. Cause to me, if we're going based on expression. Then I put it into the front squat because like your spine is not going to save you in a front squat. Yep. The bar just falls out. Yep. But we know that a uh, front squat cycle does not yield the same adaptation right. as the back squat cycle.
1: The only thing I was going to add to it kind of with a tangent you were going on with like the deadlift versus the back squat as the like Holy Grail exercise. And I, i look at gpp again i always go back to who is the person and if we're talking about your everyday gym goer i feel like the deadlift probably is that that ultimate holy grail exercise because the barrier to entry for a deadlift to me is lower for a lot of these people who have never moved around before than it is the back squat yeah it does require a little bit more mobility requires more skill than the deadlift does so for like talking about holy grail for that non-serious athlete or someone who's starting out to me, that's the deadlift, but I don't think that that should where you should stop. That is one thing you should be concerned with improving. Yeah. But as soon as you get onto that, that you should open your eyes to all these other movements. And then the next one is, yeah, can I master or become proficient in the back squat? Yeah. Because I agree. I think for our sport of fitness, the back squat is the holy grail. But if we're talking again, going back to the more general pop, it probably is deadlift first. And then it, over time, I mean, you, you can into, walk
0: into a gym and in three seconds completely alter your physiology yeah. your your you know stress levels which you know we're after hormesis we stress ourselves on purpose to get better that to me is why the deadlift is just like holy shit What's, you can go pull yeah. a heavy deadlift and okay see I just just like worked out and did way more for my body than
1: you and <laughs> yeah. you've been over there doing We've had jacks classes two hours. here where it's the, the strength of the day is 1 heavy set of deadlifts for max reps at a moderate weight and we've had people who are two hours in the gym still hanging around going i'm still not right from that and i worked out for about one minute i love stuff like that i love true immediate feedback i love it when people can understand
0: how their body works and what like when i'm spouting off about autonomic nervous system and they're like shut up nerd and i'm like you can feel that right now you can like your body tingles yeah after after heavy pulling exercises you guys know how i feel about farmers carries i'm gonna jot that note down and talk about it later oh god fuck never god. heard of them <laughs> Who? But like but like that immediate feedback is awesome yeah i, I think
2: we've we've had this sherb and i have had this conversation and after having done a max set of deadlifts at 275 and been useless for the next like yeah. four hours i don't think when you're talking like bang for your buck yeah. you you have like 10 minutes in the gym or less like doesn't take too much range of motion, like stretching mobilization to warm up your deadlift, keep stacking the weight up, get to like I'm just like sixty percent of your deadlift and do a max set like you are you are done in well under five minutes and. For far longer than five minutes. I've,
1: I've done this multiple times. it's like, hey, I want to go work out, and my wife's like, hey, we get to go do something that's actually not exercise for once, bud. Like, try something new. True, <laughs> uh, please. I can go, down to the, go to the basement and literally work out for five minutes. Pull one set of deadlifts for max reps, and I don't feel like I need to work out for the next two days. Like, it's that effective, and I just think that like it should be stressed to the max. Like, you do not need to get some complicated equipment in your house. Like, you get a barbell, you put plates on it, you leave in the in the basement and. Every once in a while, you get downstairs and pull it. Like, you're going to do a lot for your fitness right there. And you don't have to do very much to. to that clip to do that. of what you just
0: said could be manipulated in many ways.
1: Good. I hope, I hope it does. <laughs> so <laughs> we, <laughs> we, <laughs> Mark, we, <Ted>. we are, <laughs> <at it laughs> as now required,
0: Ted, sliding into a programming situation, which is super important. How do we program to get someone stronger in the deadlift versus the back squat?
2: Uh, I mean, I think for a beginner, I think the. I mean, for anybody, actually, the linear. Yeah, prog- let's not the,
0: let's not let's not get crazy with the categorization yeah, because we know programs the, that the work.
2: broadest is just the linear progression, like five by five for the back squat as you like beginner. You could do that. Two, three times a week and see gains all the way from, you know, uh, air squat to like empty bar, add five pounds every time and get stronger there. And then like intermediate lifter, maybe it's only once a week you add that and advanced lifter it's you know once every other week or once a month we've and used stuff that like program that. in like, the
1: gym where it's 15 reps the whole week is just 15 back squat reps three by five where you do a set at let's say 100 105 and 110 the next week you do 105 110 115 and we've done those cycles here and people are like where's the rest of the squat how come we're only doing 15 reps and then we test six weeks later and like i added 30 pounds of my back squat it's like yeah, it's as honestly as about as cut and dry as that most athletes just need that little bit of stress and that stress to increase each week. So you see that adaptation. So the big, I think the talk we go next is like, how do we create the stress and an adequate amount of stress in a beginner or on intermediate or an advanced athlete to see these gains without having any of the negative effects from going too heavy, too fast too you know, whatever, too soon.
2: I have never not experienced strength gains on like the five by five cycle that we do misfit athletics yeah. and yeah in cycle three like i think a lot of people get wrapped around the axle and not doing something like sexy or not like yeah i did like drop sets and then i did like small of. I, I did <laughs> yeah i did small of and then i did a like undulating periodization where i like did jump squats between every rep. Like right. you just don't have the patience to do like, okay, this week I'm going to do five by five next week. I'm going to do the exact same thing with two and a half more pounds on each side and keep going like that. I mean,
0: I'm a strength coach and I'm a salesman. So I do wish that other stuff like that worked, but I'm not enough of a salesman. I'm way more of like a hardcore, like how do we get stronger? How do we get fitter? That is my number one priority yeah. to concede I've I've read all the stuff I've gone through all the squat cycles myself I've put beginners through them and the fittest people on earth through them we know what works so it's that that is that's a huge topic in this conversation like do you need to like Huff, paint, and close one eye, and like get onto your left toe. Like, no, you. you, you yes. Need to these programs. Have you tried that? I need <laughs> no. to know. No.
2: So I you. did a cycle. Yeah. The, the <laughs> huff, paint, left pinky toe you cycle. Know that, you know when I disappeared
0: for a month? After <laughs> that cycle. I was that cycle. Yep.
2: Um. Yeah.
0: So so to go to to create the bridge from the two programs you guys are talking about, three by five has way more to do with three by five is classic starting strength. Has way more to do with, hey, let's figure out how to back squat, and we're gonna get stronger while we do it. Yeah, that's what the three by five is. The five by five is the version of it where it's like you know what you're doing, you can handle the volume of 25 reps, and you know we have way too much data on it. We know for a fact that five by five and your five rep max, they just go up together. Yeah. They always go up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think. That whole thing, the, the old Russian textbooks, three to five reps of three to five sets applies very, very specifically to the back squat. If you write yourself a program that is three by three, three by four, three by five, and then every iteration of that from three to five in both directions, <laughs> you have yourself, you are a fucking genius squat program writer. Yep. Now, percentage based, World percentage, class. percentages work very well for a general population they do not work very well for specific people some people move the bar a little bit faster at the lighter percentages some people grind too slow once we get to the higher percentages to make adaptation you should not have very many excruciating reps within you can have excruciating sets you step out of the rack and then you cry for an hour. I that's okay. Then there. Yeah. But you need to be moving properly with purpose. And, you know, yeah, I had to grind through that, but there was no point where which I was like, uh oh. Like, am I gonna drop this or shit myself? Like, yeah, we don't that doesn't belong in these linear progression strength programs. And I think that is one of the biggest things that I wanted to get across in this podcast that if you are just always grinding you either need to fix your form, or you need to fix your percentages. Yeah, you know we're trying to create force, max times acceleration. That's what your muscle fibers are going to respond to. They do not know the difference between you know this number times this number, or this lower number times a faster speed.
2: Yeah, I think the one thing that people really get caught up in is like, okay, I am doing you know seventy percent and they're not doing it based off of a a recent or a realistic number whether it's a three the five single days yeah, yeah it's like a, yeah i back squatted four fifty one so i guess i'll use that percentage and and like fucking Just sure his grandma's got guys someone
0: walked by and sprinkled fairy dust on you yeah you hit that bounce and you're like <laughs> six years later you use that as your percentage yeah
2: so the the percentage work is always tough and like from a like crossfit class perspective you get the people who who may have not you know they missed test week they don't have a recent one Um, and you get
0: pissed at them because you're dead after five by
2: five and they're like (laughs) hey what's up yeah and you man like and
1: (laughs) that was (laughs) (laughs) hard
2: yeah so so percentage work it work, it can work it works really well if you if it I guess it can work depending on who you are. I was are. just going to say, my, like, so I have Just
0: a, be okay with, you know, rounding up versus down or, and the, or the the other, knocking 5% off or 2.5.
1: I was just going to say for the GPP, this always goes back to me wanting to think about like strength programs in a way of like explaining it to the layperson because a lot of times, while I love percentage work and I think it is 100% appropriate for athletes who have a little bit of bearing and know what they're getting into with their, their programming. And a lot of times early on, finding someone to help you with that and telling you like what it should feel like is a great way or a great segue to go from, I don't know what I'm doing, to percentage work. So like, I know we haven't got to that topic, but being an affiliate coach and seeing it enough times and being like, hey, what's your 70% of your 100 max? I have no idea what my one 100 max is. Oh, okay, all right, well, it should feel like this. Your first couple of reps, you're moving smooth and are good. The last one maybe is a little bit of a challenge, but you're not failing it. Like we need to have, I think strength coaches and coaches in general need to have a spectrum of ways we can connect with athletes. And my, my only concern with percentages is that like I said, I love them, but you need to have the ability to like express that same information in other ways. And I think that's a, something that a early coach, maybe not be comfortable with. And I think as strength coaches sitting at this table that we've kind of figured that out, but I would want to put that as a disclaimer to the, the general public. I like, think. Like yeah. Need to I mean,
0: it, what, what the percentage does for a lot of people, if they are a beginner, is it says, We need the weight to be somewhere within this realm because if you go heavier than this, you're not following the program. And if you go 10 to 15% lighter than this, are you really, as a more novice lifter, going to put in that extra, you're going to understand speed squats? You know, it's hard to do. There's a reason why we can't apply as much force with 135 as we can with 225. There's nothing pushing against you to create that like your nervous system to respond like oh yeah. shit I better stand up. So yeah, and I
1: was just gonna say like not that the percentages aren't valuable, they absolutely are. It's just that you need to have the ability to uh, to communicate with an athlete who comes to you and goes my 72 and a half percent is 141. Should I go to 145 or 140? And that and you have that conversation with them like it should feel like this. And if you get to the situation and you don't feel like that's the case, like consider knocking it back down, because like you said, you jamming your joints through heavy weights and just moving just to move it isn't the purpose behind getting strong. You have to have a motor pattern. You need to move a certain way. You need to be able to get the adaptation through the intended stimulus of whatever you're working through, and that needs to be how the coach communicates with you and how you understand the program to to run.
2: The the communication that I always have with people, if they're either not sure about their percentage or, hey, it – they they tell me it either feels really heavy or really light, more so on the light side, move it faster. Yep. Like for oh, wow. like force is measured in pounds. You can either lift something slowly and it's heavier or apply more acceleration to it. Like basic physics says you can lift something lighter and a lot faster mm-hmm. and still have that same yeah. force production as something heavy. So I'm, if it if it feels light today, Awesome stick Damn with the percentage it. and fucking stand that thing up as fast as you can and you're getting stronger and that works within that bubble though. That's important to say because if that was 1000% true
0: and it just applied wherever we wanted it to we could go out in the gym and jump as high yeah, as we just could do air squats. Right. Fast. We could just jump as high as we possibly could out of the bottom of an air squat and that would create the same adaptation as a 400 pound back squat. But our body doesn't rise to the occasion without showing up to the occasion. Right. It needs the occasion. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Um we're going to move on um uh, because I think the three of us could talk about back squats for a little while maybe a yeah. while uh yeah. the deadlifts minutes. um the deadlift is is a tricky one to program um I I honestly like sets anywhere from like doubles or triples up into like I want to say 2 to 6 would be would be my range. I would not program 2 very often. Um, the lower the reps, I would say, you know, for pulling uh, doubles and triples, I'm going to be on uh, every other week programming uh, for people so that they get that CNS recovery. If we get into the fives and the sixes, I think I'm OK with with someone pulling those on a weekly basis if we're if we're monitoring that athlete. You yeah, I
2: mean? go ahead. No. All right. I think one thing <laughs> <No>, you're more <laughs> okay, polite. <sorry>. Uh- <laughs> Yeah, I've I've recently started to really like the the bigger set, and by bigger set I mean in that like six to even ten to fifteen range for that like we've we've programmed it a lot, like it is more, three, it's
0: much more carryover in our sport.
2: Yeah. But uh, but we've, we we see people like this week we're gonna do three by ten, next week we're gonna do three by twelve. Yeah. And their last set of twelve is is heavier than their ten. And then they go and PR their their heavy single, double, or triple. Know why? Uh, I think it's just like a must, like a recruitment thing. It's just a hormonal change that happens like so deep into that set, and also Sherman because is so excited
0: right now. I know that you guys are listening to the audio version, I'm but he's like raising itching. his hand I'm and
1: like shaking. And, and,
2: and I think and it, it's because like that that set requires a little bit more, like. You you can grip and rip a set of one or two off the floor there and kind of grind yes. through it. So the that's, fifteen that's a, that, is like we're talking about. We're talking, about, we're talking be... about
0: the skill level. Yeah. And and now we actually increase the volume with a deadlift because you know if someone settles into a deadlift and they go cat back for the first rep, they're going to be like, oh yeah. shit. Yeah. That's this bad. Is, this or, is not going to go we're in well. The weeds. So that that skill level there, we know. You know, we went we went out to super training to visit Mark Bell. Like like they can pull. Singles, doubles, triples, all that stuff with that form. They actually have a posterior chain, engage their midline, all that good stuff. They they understand the mechanics of it. They've put in the time. So at at this, you know, CrossFit is a lot of CrossFitters are very novice when it comes to this movement, even at a very high level. Yeah, and when we force that
1: form on them,
0: they're able to create the proper adaptation because there's
1: no other way for them to stand that thing up eight times. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't get a chance to answer yet. The answer is GPP. They're getting, <laughs> they're, they're getting fitter through creating that adaptation. They're getting that neurological benefit of learning how to do the movement correctly. That's why those high rep ranges were great. And the
0: load, is pr- it's, it fits their skill level.
1: Correct. Yes. The, the load is appropriate for the athlete. The neurological adaptation occurs. And for a lot of them, it's just like, they're understanding how to brace their midline and create a repeatable pattern, which is then carried over when it comes time to pull a single one. Things don't change because you're doing two, five, right. 10, or 20. You're learning how to do the movement correctly. And that's why I think that program works amazingly with that, like beginning, moderate, and even some of the advanced athletes getting them pulling heavier weights. A lot because of the they, advanced athletes. Because they learn how to repeat right. the movement correctly yeah. and understand, oh, because it's lighter weight, like I'm forced. To get adaptation the only way to get that adaptation is to move correctly oh great maybe i should do that my heavy ones too and now i get stronger yeah and it's it's if you want to get into like those those ladder reps your first
2: couple need to be flawless you start off in a hole like those ladder reps aren't happening you start off in a good position like we all know start in a good position and in a pretty good position hopefully the same if you start in a poor position it's not getting better as your set goes on that's for sure right
0: Um, we're going to keep it in the family before we go to Olympic weightlifting. Um, we can't, I don't think we can talk about them as if they're the same movement, uh, but pressing. So we have your traditional, you have more kind of overhead pressing, bench pressing, that sort of thing. Um, I find that shoulder mobility is the prerequisite to being a strong presser. We just get so many people that we know as that strong person they just naturally, you know, they have that gift of, you know, more fast twitch fibers, whatever, and they can't put their damn arms over their head and get into the right position. And I just feel like if we're going to talk about pressing strength, you have to, you know, you got to be able to be in a, you know, a nice handstand with your, you know, your head in line with your arms. You need to be able to press dumbbells overhead, not a barbell, and actually keep your rib cage down, things of that nature. Yeah. You will never ever hit your potential with pressing strength until you can put your damn arms over your head like a person should be able to.
1: Yeah, I mean, you have to have that requisite mobility. You have to have that ability to access your strength. It's is something I've talked with you a bunch about me previously with like Olympic late think I know we're not there yet, but like a lot of times like you are super strong, but you can't get in the positions necessary to be able to express that strength. Right. And that's exactly what you're talking about here. So like you have the, you know, you have that person who wants to get strong at pressing. Most of them default to the bench press because it's sexier. You see people benching all the time. And because they can actually load weight up in there and you know whether we talk about it right now or not ego definitely plays a factor in how you decide what to do in the gym for most people so they elect to do the one they're better at what they would like to see what i would like to see from athletes who are looking to get stronger is to seek out the things they're not good at and try to improve upon those just as much as the stuff they are good at because that develops that well rounded and that strong person who has the ability to press from all angles which to me is a better representation of your strength is can you press it's the in better front chance of you.
0: you're not going to snap your shit too
1: exactly it just <laughs> makes you a more robust human being i, I feel like that like you you don't want to have a chink in your armor where you can press forward but you can't press up or something along those lines
2: i think the for for me so i have pretty good what i would say is pretty good mobility overhead but i have pretty terrible pressing strength especially strict it just it comes down to like volume and time yes. under tension yeah, yeah. like yeah. when you're once you have that requisite, uh, mobility, it's like, it's just time under tension, moving stuff fast, pressing that overhead. Like you're saying, like you always say to your body craves that fast twitch, yeah. your upper body, I mean, uh, craves that sort of movement and you just need the time under tension to develop that, yeah. that strength. I mean, it's, it's essentially right now what's about to come out of
0: me is like pull the string and I'll start talking like a doll. But yeah. plenty of people haven't heard me say this. We walk around on our legs all day we develop the slow twitch. We develop the other side sort of in the gym, whereas the upper body doesn't do a whole lot in our regular life. That would create that sort of system where we have these supporting tiny muscles and connective tissue and all this stuff that would help us when, you know, like you can grind out a squat when you want to, you cannot grind out a strict press when you want to. And it's at your nose. Like you, you don't have that same support system. And we're talking this this is this phenomenon goes all the way to super roided up Russian weightlifters. And they just came down to it and they were like, it's volume. To press, you have to press. If you want to put weight overhead, you have to put weight overhead. Like they would press like five times a week. Again, yeah. recovery, a little better when you're on the sauce. <laughs> <Hey>. So <laughs> like you have to, especially with overhead pressing, just get your work in got to continue to press and press and press luckily our three to five of three to five works really well um and you know accessory stuff is good but you just you you just have to keep pressing your linear progression is a pound at a time and not 10 pounds at a time and if you can handle that you can take your press from there's a lot of really strong dudes that can only press 150 pounds and they could get their press to 200 you just gotta press a bunch like it's it's not super complicated like if you move like absolute shit and do the like standing bench press you're probably not gonna you know make yeah. it you know manipulate the fibers quite enough but this is a
1: strict yeah. press is a volume game i was just say I, I see it in like austin for example who was someone who was terrible at first at strict handstand push-ups right now we're talking barbells right now but for example strict handstand push-ups another expression of pressing strength was terrible was terrible was terrible and it, you know, it wasn't necessarily, a I mean, technique. rotate 180 degrees and we've got yeah. ourselves a fairly similar move. Exactly. But in his example, we're talking, uh, strict handstand pushup, but he was terrible at it. And literally all we were to told him is like, you have to get into the gym and do strict handstand ups more often. Yeah. And all of a sudden he's caught up with everybody else who he was way behind because he simply said, I'm going to press two strict handstand ups three to four days a week. And I know that I'm not going to have this terrible carryover where I can't train my upper body the next day because I did strict handstand ups. And he's gotten a lot better at them.
0: What's the opposite of a holy grail? Because that holy donut. The, the holy, <laughs> the, the holy
1: donut of strength
0: training is the strict press. You, the bang Fuck. for your buck is not high. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's it's you got to just you got to put the work in. You, yeah, you've, and, it, and and it's okay because it's not that fucking hard. Like you don't feel like when you make that switch from like regular gym population to the CrossFit population and you have, you know, say you have a squat rack in your garage or whatever, when you go out and do your set of strict press or bench press, like I could do it in dress clothes and then go out to dinner, like, and be, you know what I mean? Like I don't, it it does nothing to you.
2: Come back to it again and press 20 pounds more. And I don't know what the fuck happened, but I just PR'd my strict press. (laughs)
0: Like, like you can just keep doing that. We're talking, if you suck at push ups, if you suck at like, I would say the caveat in this, that people lump stuff together is probably the pull-ups. The pull-ups, I think we get a little bit more bang for our buck. Yeah. Um. When it comes to that, but push-ups, strict push-ups, uh, or strict handstand push-ups, <laughs> pressing, all that stuff, like, it's it's you just keep doing it. You will get better at it. Yeah. You just the, have to do a lot of
2: them. The the benefit to being able to do it is well, I mean, it's just that like your central nervous system, like at you know press at some point it just goes away. Yeah. The demand on your like internal nervous system is not nearly as high as pulling a heavy deadlift or a heavy set of deadlifts, back squat, whatever. So you can, yeah, you might be a little bit sore, but you're not going to ruin yourself pressing three, four times a week. If you're really trying to get that number up the same way, you're not, we're not going to tell you to deadlift three, four times a week,
0: right? The bench press is, um, I would say a little bit, you know, sort of in between those two families of like bang for your buck, but I can tell you. If you do a, a bench press cycle and you have to grind through the whole thing, nothing happens to your one rep max. It's pretty crazy. Bench press cycles that work really well are actually pretty easy. And to me, that brings us right back to that fast twitch thing. We yeah. just it's speed have, work. We have to move fast. And yes, it is still, you know, 70%, but it might be 70% for like a triple as opposed to a set of five. That and it's weird doing that. You have to make yourself go through a five week program and then go, yeah, that does work. Cause it doesn't feel like it's working while you're doing it. It's a very odd sort of thing. And you know, we found that out from, I I didn't love the five, three, the old five, three, one program from Wendler for anything. I loved it for bench. It just works. And it's not very hard. And that was the whole thing that he was trying to preach the whole time. I understand why five, three, one would work for the powerlifting community within the way that he did his deadlifts and his squats. It just doesn't go that well with the GPP kind of person. Yeah. Um. But man, the five three one bench press, and again, all that is is him forcing you to go based on your training max. So if you take a, a standard squat cycle that we do and you used a training max instead of your regular for bench, it would be perfect. Right. So 90% of your one-rep max, you base all your percentages off that number that you come up with. The bench press cycle works so well. But again, it's weird because you're doing it and you're like too easy does this count (laughs) yeah (laughs) like this isn't hard this doesn't feel like i should be doing this um and then uh pull-ups are pull-ups are the exact same way that's one of the reasons why people can't get strict pull-ups is because they can kind of grind through them a little bit they can grind through sets you gotta move as fast as you can and then just stop and go al- do a little bit more yep. next
2: time. One, one thing about pull-ups is that I've had this conversation with our gym members who are trying to improve that number. Once a, a tendency for people is once they get a, a strict pull-up or a few, they completely get rid of the prospect of using a band or some sort of assistance. Yeah. We rarely think of the pull-up as like a percentage work game because we're not doing like weighted strict pull-ups often so it's not like yeah use 70 percent of your weighted strict pull-up it's like now that i have strict i can do it but something i tell people is like treat it try to treat it no different than you would a lift whereas you know if your max set is five that is your five rep max strict pull-ups you're not just going to do Strict pull-ups, right? For your the same way you would your back squat. You Hell wouldn't no. just back squat your five rep max and try to get stronger. You're going to do percentage work. So grab a band and enable yourself to get that volume in with strict pull-ups. Do them fast, and there isn't and that, a person like, in
0: this room that wouldn't benefit from 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 doing
2: that. Yeah, I would be terrified to do a set of twenty five strict pull-ups and then immediately have to get into a band and keep doing them. Yeah. Like that would be terrible. Yeah, but it, it would it for it, it allows
0: you to create the speed. And to stick with a, a volume that will actually work for the
1: upper body. Yeah. Yeah. For, for me, strict pull are a perfect example because I'm not a great puller with my own body weight, great puller with weight. So like part of that is just not being able to replicate the same amount of speed with my upper body that I right. can, my, my lower body. So, you know, it does hurt the ego to, to grab a skinny band, especially when you can say to yourself like, hey, I've been training for a long time, but it always goes back to one of those old articles that we have. Like if you aren't getting stronger and you're trying to get stronger and you're doing the work. There's something wrong and that I think that's a great thing that should be hammered home. Former speed. Yeah, yeah. I mean something something is wrong. It's either your form is garbage or you're not going fast enough. And for me in this situation, it's probably both. But that's why you'd want to do something. I think like for this. you
0: it's it's probably an ego thing just based on your your fitness level is so high and and you're probably looking at sets of like four or five to really keep that speed. That's typically what I practice. And that doesn't feel like anything to you. It brings me back to that bench idea like like it's probably not gonna feel like anything to you but if every month you start your EMOM over and now six is super easy with speed and three used to be hard like there you go yeah you've gotten There's stronger you still have they don't
1: have that like big awesome number on a barbell like you do with right with but, pull-ups. You get, but you get an opportunity to express
0: yeah, what you've created daily within a CrossFit class correct so Absolutely. you just have to be able to see that stuff
2: um Let's shift to Olympic weightlifting. Can I make one comment about strength first? The only rule is that there are no rules. Okay. I think something to consider, especially if you're either programming for yourself or for maybe like personal training, is that women are a little bit different than men because of neuromuscular efficiency. We see all the time women tend to be able to move a higher percentage of those big lifts for more reps. And it's like, God fucking damn it. (laughs) And- it, but i mean it it like yeah. it it can it's great for them but they, it can also be frustrating it's just like why can i do 90% of my back squat for 5 and i put 5 more pounds on the bar and i can't back squat right. we know that they can move a higher percentage for more reps so it's just something to consider if you're writing a program for yourself or for somebody else like if i'm doing the same percentage that this program on google prescribes and i'm not getting stronger like Learn, learn about that topic. That's kind of all I'll say on that. Yeah, the, right?
0: the 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 idea of as a coach, you need to know that speed kills, but you need to be able to see it.
2: Yep. You need to know
0: what speed on the barbell looks like because those that, you know, the same women in our classes will do a set of 10 and every single rep looks the same kind of medium speed, put it back in the rack. Whereas you'll watch a guy like throw the damn thing over his head and then rep five is like trembling yep. to, to kind of get through that. So like being able to spot that speed and know what the speed looks like within each given movement is going to give you the ability to say, I know this seems weird, but we're going to drop from a hundred to 90 and we're just going to move this damn thing faster. Yeah. Like that will work.
1: Okay. I don't disagree.
0: (laughs) Olympic weightlifting. Olympic weightlifting is awesome because you don't have to be strong to make it look like you're strong. I loved Olympic weightlifting based on um, mobility and athleticism because it was like all of these people are stronger than me and no one knows it because we never back squat in a competition. <laughs> feel like this is amazing. You and
1: I are the exact opposites in this
0: situation. That's <laughs> um, like. But at the end of the day, that's, that's, not, that's not really what, what we're trying to talk yeah. about here. Both sides need attention. This, <laughs> well, both sides need kind of the same thing right? Like we need to be able to move the barbell efficiently. We sort of, we sort of know that we sort of hammered that home. Like, like this whole overarching thing over this entire episode is if you don't do the movement right, you can just take everything we've said and throw it in the trash. Like, yeah. and everyone has a different version of moving properly. And we're not even talking about <laughs> like, like, intro like we're not podcast. even necessarily <laughs> talking about safety. We're talking about movement efficiency. Yeah. We're talking about like I don't know what that is. I don't know what movement you just did, but it's not the one we're trying to get stronger. At. <laughs> Typically when that happens, you don't get stronger at the one that you're trying to replicate. So like, like when it comes to Olympic lifting, we can go back through the whole mobility thing. We can go back through the entire movement efficiency thing. But I want to talk about the type of
1: programs that actually yield solid results. I mean, we've, we've had plenty of experience in this programming, different styles of weight, weightlifting and seeing how it affects members and how it, creates these adaptations we're going for and you know if we're going to go specific with it with the rep schemes we're looking at triples and doubles for for the most of your programming and then you know every once in a while just to get that let loading heavy singles and singles being somewhere between you know 85 percent to all the way up to near maximal for, for you but for the most part your the bang for your buck it comes from the skill and the practice of the movement which occurs somewhere in the neighborhood of 65 to 75 percent for triples and doubles I mean that's we've used it so many times and seen so much success with athletes that you know you don't need to have a ton of reps you're not doing a 10 by 5 you essentially look at 18 to you know 14 to 18 reps and that seems to do the you know, do the trick for weightlifting for the general population and for these high level athletes
2: yeah I, I just think it all comes down to the what you're saying is movement efficiency like you can Like you're saying, do those doubles and triples and if you're some and then, you know, you go to the heavy single day, whatever, and all of a sudden you just forgot everything that you practiced in the doubles and triples. It doesn't matter. I think in CrossFit specifically, most people are much more comfortable pulling the bar to their eyeballs and letting it bury them in the bottom of the clean of the snatch. Like, yep, I'm same. Same. I can't even
0: get the forty-five pound bar belt to my eyeballs. So, like, <laughs> but you can get a three
2: hundred pound bar to the exact same height and still get under it and stand it up.
0: More than that, but yeah, yeah, okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's it's just like, like you said, Sherb. It's the the doubles and triples that f- almost for Like after a certain point, you get fit- so fatigued that you learn how to pull yourself under the bar, and it's yeah. just like, oh, like that's what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't need to power snatch and then overhead squat this weight or power clean and then front squat it so it's just the the movement
0: yeah um really simple triple double single works really well for olympic weightlifting what i will say is there's a pretty decent variance between the clean and the snatch the clean if you're trying to peak your clean you can really still get away with if you were on a gpp program triple double single once a week i i believe um I think the snatch is more of a if you don't use it, you lose it situation. I feel like the snatch is we got to make sure that if someone is going into a competition and they're worried about peaking their snatch in that competition, that we better have heavy snatching at least once a week, if not twice a week. And then it's in Metcons, it's in accessory work, it's in warmups. That barbell pattern being second nature to you is just as important as any strength work that you could ever do. And we all know what a good snatch feels like. Um, <laughs> sorry. I just couldn't like, fucking resist, could I you? God damn it. Um, we all know what that feels like, but we can't always find it. <laughs> I literally didn't. I, I didn't Stop mean, it. I didn't mean to do that, but sometimes we can't literally... Go. something
2: about smooth in there, too. Just we go. can't
0: we can't find it sometimes when we haven't done it in a while. <laughs> this is ridiculous. My favorite podcast yet. For real though. You know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. Take over for a second. No, you know I can't. exactly what I mean. Yeah, I do. Hunter's blushing for anyone wondering. Sure <laughs> <don't> Sher- <laughs> Sherb's orange and red just in general. <laughs> what, what so we're not sure name? if he's blushing or not. Um but yeah, if you don't practice the movement on a regular basis, you 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 kind of you know what to do but you just can't you can't replicate it. You're like, damn it. Why does this feel this way? I know what I'm doing. Like, like that's why that movement needs to pop up, especially for those athletes where, you know, maybe they struggle with it. There's, it's just one of those things where like, I know for me personally, if I want to, if I want to peak my snatch, I'm going to go triples twice a week for a while before I go down to doubles. Like just, just get those reps in like, yeah, I'm going to get stronger. I know that six by three at 80 or whatever works, but like, I got to get my reps in. Whereas yeah. the clean is is way less variable. I think
2: and- a, a, the big part of that is just the the room for error that exists in the snatch is so much smaller than in the clean. Like you you miss a lift or you miss you miss a position, you catch it wrong, you're you're missing the lift. Front the, the clean obviously a little bit less you can yeah. kind of catch something wonky, maybe get like a second bounce readjusted on your, in your front rack and and still stand it up if you're strong, but yeah, the snatch just not there, that room for error doesn't exist. Right. And it's super valuable to be in that triples and doubles and have one day where it feels really heavy, but still make the lift because your positioning is on point. There's a lot of value in, in being confident that this, this feels heavy, super heavy off the floor today, but I know that my positioning is good. I know that I can, t- I can get under the bar, rely on my that third pole to snap under the bar rather than pulling right. it as high as possible. Yeah, a
0: lot of the Olympic weightlifting world is going to be about some of the stuff that we can't nail down. Like it's ethereal. Like if I walk into a class and I give someone a cue and they say something to the effect of, that's not how I do it or I can't or whatever, like I'm I'm hitting the snooze like i'm gonna fall asleep like I, I don't have time for that if you have that mentality when it comes to something this complicated and all of the best movers in the world do it almost exactly the same like
1: uh, who's right and who's wrong
0: well no it's, it's <laughs> not it's not even about that it's about that thing of like you want me to go back to the drawing board it's like you asked me to get you a 225 snatch and this is not going to get you there Like I, like I don't move my feet or I've never heard of that. It's like, now you have, (laughs) now you have. Yeah. So it's just one of those things where like, like with the Olympic lifting that comes into play so much more.
2: Yeah. I mean, find me somebody who can snatch more than they can overhead squat or clean more than they can front squat it in our community. It doesn't exist that, that gap is so huge. Like I can overhead, like me, like I can overhead squat 300 pounds, but Two thirty-five is about it in the snatch, and same with the even worse for the uh, clean. So I want to talk about the jerk specifically because it's really
0: weird. Um, There's something about letting your body know that you're about to do it because you've done a clean that changes how how we move, how we think, how we feel. We've been in plenty of situations where we're at the jerk blocks and we're doing triples or whatever. And like 70% or something is not going over people's heads. And like, you literally have to like, like slap each other in the face. And like, there's just something about getting your nervous system to respond the exact same way that it just did after you stood up a clean, when you're going into the jerk, like you have to figure that out. You have to figure out how to, you know, some people are huge on like standing it out, like taking it out of the rack really aggressively or like stomping their feet around and getting that like jolt that like almost like beta alanine, like that feel because like in my like more novice weightlifting days, I always PR'd my jerk after a clean always like, whereas like like that you, you do have to put in like, like I'll. I would keep someone on triples on the jerk forever, ever like triples, 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 because I know that they're going to be able to put that weight over the head, their head after they stand up. I know that that's going to be able to happen. And and I want like a, a teaching moment where they can figure out how do I take this thing out of the rack? Because it takes, it takes a lot of effort. Like there's no build up to it. It's like, okay, here's this amazingly heavy thing. Put it over your head. It's like, yeah, but I didn't like within all these other movements. There's like it feels like there's more of a beginning to
1: it. That yeah, there's more of a know. like a fight or flight feel at the start yeah. of it. So like I think you you hit it right in the head. Like you have to go into it with that intensity that is created, you know, when you clean something from the floor, that intensity is instant. As soon as that bars on your you pull a bar quarter inch up the, the floor, that intensity is there. You know that if I don't put like all of myself into this bar I ain't going anywhere. So I got to do that. And then once I stood up, I've already put my body in that like, right. oh, shit, I got to yeah. get this thing over my head mode. Versus taking it from the rack and the bar's oh, a little heavy on my shoulders, but you don't have that same like rah rah, that same like fight or flight. Like oh shit, this thing's gonna be over my head in a second. It's super heavy. Is that safe? Like you get that creation from pulling the bar from the floor. That's why
0: that bro session is important Absolutely. when it comes to that. Getting a bunch of people around. Like like any you PR a jerk, it's like you know it's like a training camp or something like that. And there's a bunch of people there, and you can get yourself into that place.
1: Oh yeah, it just it just it just takes. You have to have a strategy for getting in that situation. So whether that's loud music, like you said slap each other in the face, <laughs> whatever that, whatever it is for you, you have to be able to create that that feeling, that vibe before you start. Or otherwise, you're you know, you're just asking for no fifty fifty. Well, what happen? Flip a coin. Maybe I'll catch it. Maybe I won't. Right. You got to create that same feel.
2: Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Solid. <laughs> I don't have anything valuable to add to that. The, the, so the
1: clean and jerk.
0: It, I'm just gonna like let's start some like uh, romantic music it just is life lessons (laughs) in the clean and jerk I just love (laughs) that you did this amazing feat of strength to stand the bar up and then it's like you have nothing left you can't breathe you can't see and you're gonna put this thing over your head I love that because you're positive that you can't do it and then you do there's that first time when you stand up and you think to yourself (laughs) <laughs> i don't know about this yeah and then it goes over your head and you're like wow it's like the first time when you're on the bike and it hurts so bad that you can't move your legs and then you realize no i can still move my legs sweet that's cool like i love stuff like that is awesome that's w- that's why the clean and jerk is my favorite movement because it's like like you stand up and then you're you're dead and then you have to perform what's p- potentially more impressive than what you already did that kicked your ass
1: yeah, I just think the the cleaning jerk is a great expression of like uh, like man, Kevin Garnett thinking anything is possible. Like you, you can now have done this thing that don't bring up Celtics Lakers right whatever. now, bro. Too soon. Whatever <laughs> whatever that is for you, but I'm saying like you took this really heavy barbell. You've put yourself in a situation where you've now learned to take a leap of faith almost into this type of thing. Like you didn't know if you were going to get it, and now you have, and you've learned like oh shit! Like I am capable of something that is this outrageous grind because the snatch is cool and it's sexy and all, but like it's over like that. And no one ever has got done super heavy snatch. And it was like eyes were like about to pop out of their head and their veins were shooting out of their neck. And it doesn't have that same feel. The clean on the other hand does have that same feel. And for that reason, I think it's super valuable because you take this like gamble almost what it feels like. And you learn something from it, which is as coaches, something we hope our athletes that happens to them every single time they go into a training sessions, they learn something new, about their body or about the way they train or their mindset or something like that so to me that's why that's so valuable
2: yeah it's I think there's just like that that level of grit that's required for the clean and jerk and not as much the snatch right you, you either make it or you miss it in the snatch the clean and jerk it's like you got you got a second hurdle to jump over once you stand that thing up
0: and yeah and sometimes it, that hurdle you can't even see the top of it yeah it's like a wall <laughs> <You're> <laughs> or, like, or you uh,
2: like or the vision is literally closing in on you and just like yep. this is either going overhead or i'm gonna fall backward and pass out mm-hmm. all right
0: um i want to finish with just the the concept of circle all the way back to where sherb started this with he said just move and just get in the gym i'm gonna take it just a step further just start lifting weights because no matter what your goal is putting in reps is going to get you there all of these studies on hypertrophy versus you know triples versus 12s versus 15s the overall volume is the only thing that matters it's not about what you choose for the sets when they find that a muscle fiber is going to break down and you know go through muscle protein synthesis and grow it's just about training volume So I do understand that hypertrophy is maybe better at 50 reps than it is at 40, but if you want to do 15, you know, heavier with more, way more sets, same results, same, same exact thing. You want to do five by 10 versus three by 15 or whatever, you're going to get the same effects. Like the, one of the most famous bodybuilders of all time, Dorian Yates, this is, he's the person, he's why you guys have to do die sets. Um, <laughs> he essentially would do as many reps as he could at one weight on one movement a day. And I don't know if you've ever seen a photo of him, but I don't think he would fit in the room that we're in. Like, I don't <laughs> think he can be in the room. Like, and it's hard, it's hard as a crossfitter to understand where he's coming from. Cause like he would say he course trains in a dungeon like a bait like a basement with like dripping water like always hear dripping water and the lights are always flickering and shit. super
2: hollow sound like exactly <laughs> echo.
0: and he would bring another bodybuilder in and they would put whatever 315 on the leg press and he'd say you know what's your personal best and the guy would say 22 reps or whatever and he's like all right we're gonna do like 46 or something and he would just scream in the guy's face and like get everything out of him and then the guy would you know cry or quit or never come back like that sort of thing so if that bodybuilder is getting the same thing out of one set at like he, he put weight on, he put weight on for all of this stuff yeah. as opposed to your three by 15. And then we go all the way back to you add a bunch of muscle. If you know, you just do 10 sets of five, just, it's a heavier weight. It's, so it's important to understand that this is simpler than you think. It it all comes back to you putting the work in. That's how you're going to get stronger and some movements have more bang for their buck, your deadlift's going to go up a lot more with one set than if you do one set of one strict press. is yeah, <laughs> my favorite training there's day. There's not a <laughs> whole lot of adaptation that's going to come from that. So no matter what the goal is, I want to get bigger, I want to get stronger, I want to get better at this thing, like strength training in a lot of cases is just about putting your reps Tough in bit. and being okay with the speed at which growth is possible or the amount of effort that it takes, like like the upper body stuff's a little bit more endurance mindset. Like I know this isn't super hard, but keep doing it. I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep doing it. Whereas the other stuff is super challenging. You know, all this stuff with our lower body and a lot of our, you know, Olympic lifting stuff is super challenging and you just have to be willing to put that actual work in. I mean, we all know that recently, especially you, you know what triples and clean and jerk feels like. It's yeah. not the funnest thing in the world. So the worst thing ever. if you skip it the I second agree. week or the second day probably not second gonna get set. stronger <laughs> it's, it's <the> <laughs> i mean yeah i've
1: seen it I, I think you should i mean just to reemphasize what you just said i think it's super important to say that you just need to keep going i've had so many athletes over the years at both facilities just say i'm just not getting stronger and to me that's the athlete who's bouncing around between too many things and not sort Of focusing on something to to work at, and I think a lot of times, if you do have a goal in mind, the things that you do need to reflect that goal. You can't get excited about it's okay to
0: specialize every once in a while after class, before class, that sort of thing. Of course,
1: and I don't want to turn someone off to like trying something new. And that's what CrossFit mentality is to go out there and do as many different things and try to be good at all of them, like or proficient at all of them. But like, for someone who's looking to get stronger at a specific exercise, I think what you just said is super important. Like, there's an element of patience in getting strong that, you know, our culture doesn't really emphasize the patience thing. And that's what you were just saying with like a, you know, the ad for Sharpen the Axe, like be more concerned with the, be more concerned with the growth and the, the journey itself than the end goal. Someone who's looking to get strong has to have the exact same focus when getting strong. They have to understand that it is going to be a journey and that for some people, certain things happen faster. You and I could go do the same squat cycle and I might PR by 20 pounds, you might PR by 50. That doesn't necessarily mean mean that like-
2: I want that you, program. And me too. I would love
1: <laughs> that program. But a lot of times that's just the way your body works. And if we're constantly putting the effort in, we are going to reap the benefits. Like it doesn't happen overnight. And I just, that athlete that's on that like fence, like why am I not getting stronger? Why am I not getting stronger? My answer is always going to be, like you said earlier, pay attention to how you're moving and the speed at which you move at. And if those things aren't lined up, like that's where you start. And once that's in line, be patient and just- Keep it's grinding. very
0: rare that it's not just about what you're putting into it. It's very rare. There are weird cases where we have to figure out what the heck's going on. Maybe someone's overtrained, but like, it's all about how, like how you move and what you put into it.
2: Yeah. That, that's like my final thought on the whole thing. It's like there at some point it becomes about, a, there's a level of personal responsibility. It's just like, are you legitimately following the program putting in the time putting in the effort did you miss or are you missing missing days missing weeks here and there and then wondering why you're not getting stronger like take a hard look like you're saying Sherb, Sherb said move well move fast but like just 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 fucking keep going just follow the program trust that trust that it'll work and have like some level of personal responsibility and when it doesn't work ask yourself like were you really in it did you miss days like yeah Absolutely.
0: Um, I, this isn't my final thought, but I sort of forgot to bring it up. We got a lot of people out there with um, injuries that might prevent them from, especially the powerlifting side of things, might be an issue. I can neither back squat or deadlift without messing up my back. Um, you can make incredible gains with farmer's carries and sleds. They, are, they manipulate your nervous system in a very similar way. Obviously, there's more of a GPP, you know, portion to this, um, but farmer's carries and sleds are insanely effective at both increasing your GPP. You get the same after like, you know, 100-pound dumbbells, farmer's carries, you get that same feeling as you do with sort of that heavy deadlift, Um, and then the sleds can be very similar to, you know, the back squat or the lunges or whatever. So there's going to be a way for absolutely everyone to get stronger. Again, I mean... Maybe they, these are my final words. I'll just say people- because it, it comes back to whether I personally want to go pick up the hundred-pound dumbbells or I personally want to go push the sled. If I do, then I'll continue to get stronger, even though I can't do those movements currently. So, final thoughts uh, back to what I already said. Uh, it's, it's all about you. It's all about you know your choices and your
1: effort and all that good stuff. Yeah. I guess my my final thought is like don't don't think because you get stuck. At any one point, and you're not seeing progress, that it's hopeless for you. Cause I've had so many people come to me and just say, I'm not getting stronger. I'm not getting stronger. I'm not getting stronger. And like Hunter just said, personal responsibility has a huge bit to do with that. Like you said, you need to focus on how you're moving and moving and, you know, how are you moving efficiently and are you moving fast? Those are all well and good. But for me, it's like, if when you see a roadblock, realize that that is part of the journey. Like there are gonna be squat cycles as you would get more advanced in your training where you may not necessarily see a PR at the end of that cycle, but then six months down the road, some random Wednesday, someone loads the bar up and you squat more than you ever have in your life. You might not see the exact correlation between those two points, but they definitely affect each other. And whether you know it or not, that squat cycle in April is probably going to help you in November. You just might not realize it. And it's important to have some type of personal reflection to say like, all right, well I did get better at this stuff and that through patience and through consistent work, I'm going to get better. So, be patient and stay consistent is the key because I think most most athletes that we work with work and are successful because of how consistent they are. Be consistent and you'll see that growth.
2: I already gave my final thoughts. Period.
0: Thank you to everyone for listening to the unprepared podcast by Misfit Athletics. You can find us on SoundCloud SoundCloud. Is that real?
2: Yeah. And most places
0: you iTunes, find your podcast. SoundCloud, wherever you look for podcasts, Misfit Podcast is what you're going to be searching for. I think you already found it because you're listening to it. The Misfit <laughs> Project, Unprepared, any sort of specific Misfit Athletics training updates you will find there. Please leave us a review. Let us know what you think. And I am... What's that? Join... Oh, my goodness. Oh. Join us for camp August 23rd through the 25th. You can find those tickets at sharpen And I'm going to go out on a limb here. If you would like to talk about anything that we bring up on this show, if you would like to talk about anything that you bring up that we bring up on the Misfit project, my Instagram handle is at Misfit coach slide into my DMS, ask me questions. I love talking about this stuff. I will eventually get to your question. I get a bunch of them, but I enjoy talking about this shit more than anything. Um, so if you can distract me from my work and we can talk about stuff that I love, that would be fantastic. See you next time. Thanks, guys.
1: Watch